0: Being in a band is the best thing in the world. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, you grow up and you forget that. Um, and then, you know, you'll see a movie or you'll see a show or something.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F this is for you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? i'm your host ian truscott editor of rockstar cmo if you're new to the show this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with friends marketers writers and cmos i've met through the rockstar cmo publication and my career as a marketing leader you can find us at rockstarcmo.com or Rockstar CMO on twitter and linkedin and i'm ian truscott pretty much everywhere This episode was recorded on Friday, the 12th of March. Soon, we are promised we'll be coming out of lockdown here at the Rockstar CMO Penthouse. And I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe, and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. In a moment, I'll be chatting with Jeff Clark as we discuss if a marketing trend or technique is a one-hit wonder or wonder wall. This week's interview is with David McGuire, a creative director at Radix Communications. And finally, I again join Robert Rose as we close the week with a cocktail in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Right, let's get started, shall we? All right, before we start. A quick personal note, if you follow me or Rockstar CMO on Twitter, I've not had a great week as the show has attracted some negative and personal comments about the gender balance of the show, which, you know, is a valid cause, but it hurt a bit. I doubt anyone that commented listened to the show, but I feel I should address it in case any of you saw it. I'm not ignoring this. I recognize we all have a place in the culture. In the year I've been doing this, I've spoken with around 40 guests and 18 or so have been women. In the web publication, we've dedicated issues to celebrating diversity and showcase the success of many women in marketing. However, I recognize that as the show format has evolved, recently I'm now fortunate that Jeff and Robert, who are way smarter than I am, have regular slots on the show. I love chatting to these guys, some lockdown sanity for me, and what they share is wonderful advice for all marketers, and I think they're a big part of the show. Therefore, when the guest is a man, we have an all-male show, like this episode, and to be honest, the next This is a dilemma. I even contemplated stopping the show completely, but I hope that chatting to Jeff and Robert remain as part of my week and I don't want to lose that. But I will commit to maintaining the guest gender balance, which, to be honest, has been accidental to this point, as I'm fortunate to have many friends and former colleagues who are excellent women in marketing. So I'm not going to invite someone to the show just because they are a woman, but I will become more purposeful in maintaining this balance and recognise the challenge that women have had in our industry so if we're going to do this let's get on with it on to our first segment we marketers love to be down with the cool kids dancing to the latest sound but will that tune stand the test of time each week my chum jeff Clark, rockstar cmo advisor and former serious decisions forrester research director joins me in deciding if that marketing tune topic or technique or trend that everyone is just talking about is a one-hit wonder or wonderwall? Let's find out what's hot or not. This. Week. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back to Rostar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. How are you doing? Um, well, I've had a bit of a rough week <laughs> 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 on, on Twitter, which I've uh, which I'll cover in which I've covered already in the bit that I'm going to record um, <laughs> to introduce the show. Um, but yes, it's it's um. Yes. It's, it's been an interesting week on, on the tweets
2: this week. Um, but Twitter is no place for, uh, for good manners and, uh, rational thinking. So don't want well, to get you down.
1: yeah, that's true. But I mean, it is a good point to, th- well, uh, I will turn to one of our listeners and one of our future guests, uh, who, as we discussed last week, uh, is going to be the inspiration for this week's, yes. uh, one hit wonder or wonder wall, if you're ready, Jeff. So, um, Uh, Irene Naircorn-Cain Kane, is a regular listener and wonderfully gives us feedback often on LinkedIn about what she thinks of the show and um, she posed some questions for us um, particularly around the gig economy and how we as marketers work in, in the gig economy and things like online marketplaces for freelancers stuff you know the fact you can pick up a a brand new brand and theme for your new website for 99 cents or stuff like that. And it got me thinking a little bit broader than that because really, um, you know, when you're doing things like that, you're just turning the handle and getting something for, 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 for cheap, but also, you know, some marketers depend a lot on third parties and agencies and stuff like that. And they kind of outsource their marketing brain. And I thought I'd sort of elevate what Irene was suggesting on the LinkedIn page and, and take it to this. So, what say you about that, Jeff? Do you think that there are marketers that are outsourcing their marketing brain?
2: Well, I wasn't quite sure what to say about this. So I, <laughs> I, I got a little bot assistant to go through my, my hard drive for, my <laughs> wife, for all my documents from the past four jobs I've had. Yes. And, and it came up with nothing. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> but um, You should have gone on Fiverr. You could have found somebody who would have done it for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, probably, that's, probably right. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. Or there's the one that's the copywriter, WW copywriter yep. AI can help you break through your copywriter block. Um, right. so there's a little, there little plug maybe you should see if they could donate yeah. to the program here. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm glad you, um, elevated to outsourcing the marketing brain because I do think that's the, that's the, the important way to, to look at it. Um, and uh, you know, because I mean we talked about AI several weeks ago. We've talked mm-hmm. about other things that are, you know, involve, you know, the 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 grunt work, the the repetitive, busy work that some of these tools can help you do. You and I worked mm-hmm. at a company that did uh, translation management that had their own AI mm-hmm. tools to speed the work that yeah. you know human translators would do. Uh and, and get, you know, gosh, there's value because Because there are certain things that are repetitive or there's certain ways of going through tons of data that, frankly, you know, we as marketers don't get around to. I mean, I've never been in a marketing organization that had so many staff that we could have people Mm. file through data, do grunt work, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's it it, you know, it's important to have these tools to help us be, you know, more productive, productive or, you know, to get us through some tasks that just, we never, we never get to. Um, but, you know, I think uh, to a, a large degree, these tools kind of over process over promise and they, they may take hours out of our work, but they really don't get to the things that are important for marketing. So mm-hmm. understanding the customer, what their needs are, understanding how to engage them, how they want to be talked to, um, understanding Um, what's important to them, who with the customer is important to be engaged with. Mm -hmm. Um, these are all things that even though we use tools to help us gather the information, we still have to be using our marketing brain to sort through that, let alone marketers have to collaborate with sales service product. You know, there's all the internal work that, that Mm -hmm. is whether you're, you're in the sort of conceptualizing thinking part, or you're in the project management aspect of what marketers do that, that can't be, you know, can't be outsourced. And um, so I think, you know, it's, it's sort of as you're applying with your, your, the way you set the question up is that thinking about some of these automation tools is like thinking about how you might outsource to anybody, right? Yeah. So you're doing an ad, you want to outsource to an agency, you want, there's some design work, you don't have designers on staff, you, you know, go online, you find designers, Um, anytime I've certainly, I've done that kind of, or had to do that kind of work. It's like, I find out that, that it's almost as much work for me to get an agency prepared and ready to do their work and socialize their Mm -hmm. output and, and review and approve their output as it is for me to do it. But then you say, well, um, so therefore I got to apply my marketing brain, uh, and then I got to make sure I'm choosing, uh, an agency, a freelancer, yeah. uh, an AI tool or whatever that is actually going to help improve the result. Yeah. So, Absolutely. so if it's as much work in preparation and execution as it is to actually do the work, then it's like, you're, you're, you're looking mm. for a skill set that's missing. And, um, uh, and, and, and so, by you framing this as outsourcing the brain, it's the brain part <laughs> that you're that, yeah. that you can't yeah, outsource. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well I mean I
1: the, my my experience really with this is, you know, we I've I've worked with marketers that have turned themselves really into project managers. They depend on third parties agencies and stuff to actually do the majority of the actual marketing. Um yeah. which I find you know why would you become a marketer and then not do the fun bit you know who wants to be a project <laughs> manager you know so that's there's that element to it but also i think that um but we need creative partners right to i agree i mean i think your approach there where you need to put effort into it to prepare for the agency and then you have to put effort into it to be with the agency and then put effort into socializing what comes out from the agency you can't just outsource everything, right? You have to be right. committed to briefing them correctly. But right. there's value there, though. Is there in, in having a creative partner that you can bounce ideas off as a marketer?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I yeah. mean, even if it's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bot, you're obsessed with bots, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Um, no, abs- absolutely. And 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 what's interesting. I, I, re, I remember, this is reminding me of, in a slightly different context, but it had to do with marketers, as I worked mm. for a company that was trying to refine its um, its analytics tools to help marketers uh, understand who to target, what do performance measurement, etc. Mm. And so they had all, they built all these really um, you know, incredible analytics tools and, um, and would do all of this interesting modeling. But they said that the hardest part was, it's like trying to connect. And and so this is the person from the analytics team connecting with a marketer and it was a global company. So I'm trying to connect with a marketer in, you know, whatever Brazil or Germany, and, and trying to say, well, you know, what do you understand about your business? Um, you know, who the targets have, you know, have you talked to sales or are you align with sales on, on what the approach is? Um, you know, because you need to give me things in order for me to give you something that's going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and in order for you to be successful with it, you have to have a certain understanding about what the, yeah. the problem is. So there we go. We go back to the, the fact that even if I'm project managing, I need to be able to have the, um, sort of the skills and the knowledge of what good marketing is in order to Absolutely. execute properly. Absolutely. And last last week, last week was the discussion we had about marketing enablement and training. Yeah. And it's like we couldn't even come up with a not that we couldn't come up with with, it, but in fact <laughs> it, it doesn't exist that there's not a single marketing skill set or a single mm-hmm. marketing uh t- you know task because there's so many different skills within within marketing. Yeah. And, and so if, if if we can't think about how we would train humans on a, on a sort of a single thread of, of skill development, then how are we going to train, yeah. you know, outsourced agencies, yeah, you know, yeah, automation yeah. tools, et cetera, et cetera. There's just, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of work in making these things work right.
1: Is that, I mean, in the old, I can't remember when I, used, I, I've heard this expression used before about being the intelligent client so that you actually know enough that you can understand the value of what the agency is bringing, but they're bringing you scale. Right. And they're bringing you expertise, but you need to be an intelligent client to that and understand what does it mean to do a B testing? What does SEO actually do for you? What is, you know, what do you actually want to achieve with your pay-per-click all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. But you're not going to be the expert in doing it.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. And, 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 um, I mean, I, I always think back to an agency. I don't know if I've used this example before, but early in my career when advertising and print b- before it was mostly digital advertising, it was print advertising, yeah. but work with an agency that, that said, you know, you've got to, you've got to boil down what you're trying to accomplish on a piece of paper on one page, you know, basically a creative strategy. And if you yeah. can't boil that down, we can't do our work Wow, because, you know, and, and so if, yeah, if, yeah. And, and if I write it, and I, so I boil it down and then they come in with creative and somebody says, yeah, yeah. but you forgot about the fact that, you know, I, you know, I can't think of a good example, but if you yeah. you forgot about the fact that most of these customers are think this, as opposed to that, yeah. and it's like, oh, well then I didn't do my work to actually yeah. create the right strategy that made them successful. So yeah. yes, they had skill sets and expertise yeah. that we didn't have internally in helping to execute, but we had to prepare them. And it was a yeah. lot of work to get them prepared
1: yeah yeah um what about I mean Irene specifically I think when we were looking at the li- LinkedIn questions it was really talking about sort of like the, the the online gig economy and and these little marketplaces for freelancers and the fact that you can you know if you want to do I know that you've just worked with a client and gone through a, a rebranding of the website in theory I guess you could have picked up a new WordPress theme or or, or a, a short freelance engagement. For, with somebody halfway around the world for 50 bucks or something what what why why wouldn't we do that what what do you see as the the,
2: the well you get you know the the proverbial you get what you pay for right mm-hmm. and so um i guess you can do that and, and if um I, I guess i would say if i in this particular situation if i knew everything about putting a website together, but I just needed, I needed someone to, to, you know, uh, do the development setup for WordPress Mm -hmm. to make it work for me and then I'll do everything else. Then yeah, yeah, sure. I guess like that, that would make sense. But if, Mm. if, you know, I, as the single marketer, you know, who's got a responsibility for thinking about the content and the, and Mm the tone and a lot of those elements about, and how we're trying to go to market and what, what type of content we want to focus on then i need to find somebody who's who's got more skill and um, and can work more as a partner because i think mm-hmm. that's the thing is even if you find a freelancer my experience always with freelancers you find somebody who's really good then you latch on to them and you give them continual work so mm-hmm. that they understand mm-hmm. this, you know, th- they think there's a, a reason for them to put the effort in to understand you yeah. as a customer, your company, and the customers of you yeah. as it is. Because uh, if you just keep churning through, um, you know, cheap freelancers and spitting yeah. them in, you're, you're just not going to get, you know, you're, yeah, you're putting no. more of the burden on you. Yeah, yeah. So you'll pay a
1: little bit of money, bit more money, but you'll get a, an engaged partner. I right? suppose an engaged creative partner who's going to remain objective enough that they that they're not part of your organisation, therefore haven't gone native, but they yeah. <laughs> they can they can perpetually advise you with yeah. a, with a, with knowledge that builds over time. I think is what right, you're
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah.
1: So so it sounds to me like we're not entirely in favour then of um, outsourcing our marketing brain and being overly dependent on on agencies stuff, but they play a role in our mix.
2: They play a role in our mix, and and that's why I, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest you could disagree <laughs> that that we put this in the category of one hit wonder because most of these things are truly good for like one task. Yeah, yeah. But it's but it but they don't deliver the promise because when you go to the websites and it tells you you know we're gonna we're gonna be able to talk to your customers for mm. you know uh, you don't have to lift a finger. Yeah. Um, they just don't they don't deliver on that. So right. um, so I say these are. These are one-hit wonders.
1: So the one-hit wonder is the cheap, one-off thing you can buy off the shelf, $99, whatever it is. Uh, But uh, the main thing about outsourcing our marketing brain uh, also, but the fact that we recognize that having creative partners and agencies and specialists and people that can help us scale is a good thing. It is a good thing.
2: And right. one hit Hunt wonders are good because they are hits. <laughs> That's a good
1: point. That's a good point. That's a good point. So um I know that you're a student of one hit wonders at this point, as our resident expert now <laughs> out of the two of us. <laughs> so well, what are you going for this week, Jeff?
2: I'm going for uh, tub thumping, which is a weird <laughs> name, but from uh Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba nineteen ninety-seven and and the reason I th- was thinking about this is the the general theme of i get knocked down but i get up again <laughs> yeah. so we, we we throw the agencies and the freelancers and the ai yeah. tools at us but we got to get up again And we execute <laughs> our job as marketers yeah absolutely i think and as, as a good
1: indicator of the little bit of the week i've had too so yeah so, <laughs> so we'll go out with that and um, and thank you again jeff and i look forward to speaking to you next week mate sounds good cheers bye bye
3: I get no doubt, but I get up again. Yeah, they haven't gonna keep me down. I get no doubt, but I get up again. Yeah, they haven't
2: gonna keep me down. I get no doubt, but I get up again. Yeah, they haven't gonna keep me down. I get no doubt, but I get up again. Yeah,
1: they gonna creep me down. Thanks, Jeff. And again, thanks to Irene for the inspiration of this week's topic. She'll be on the show in a couple of weeks and I hope we did her topic justice. And I bet it's a while since you heard Chumbawamba and that was their 1999 hit, Tub Thumping, that I suspect will be in your head (laughs) for the rest of the day. On to our guest. This week's interview is with David Maguire, Creative Director at Radix Communications, who, according to LinkedIn, has been making boring subjects interesting since 2003, bringing the magic dust for clients' content and inspiring a talented B2B copywriting team to even dizzier heights. As I think you'll hear, I really enjoyed meeting David, and I hope you enjoy this conversation.
0: Welcome David to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Yeah, thanks, Ian. Good to uh good to be here. I so say feeling slightly the imposter syndrome, being well, not a CMO and <laughs> not having been anything like a rock star for some time. <laughs> well- well, I think the difference
1: between you and me is, hey, yeah, I'm not a CMO either, and I'm not a rock star, but at least you play the guitar.
0: Well, not very well, yeah, but I, 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 do, <laughs> I do have a few guitars lying around, the, the, the trappings of, uh, of many <laughs> unsuccessful bands with variously amusing names. <laughs> Well I think that I mean that that counts
1: that counts around here and, and we um, and a surprising number of people that I speak to have a musical background or have dabbled as marketers so there's must be something about marketing and
0: music that that kind of goes together yeah maybe and I think there's just the thing that being in a band is the best thing in the world and sometimes <laughs> you know you grow up and you forget that um and then you know you'll see a movie or you'll see a show or something yeah. and you will go oh no being in a band is brilliant. Let's start another band. <laughs> and then you rehearse a few times and then it fizzles out. I've I've been in so many bands that that actually never had a gig. Yeah. <laughs> so aside from um you know trying to be in a band yeah um, what is it that you do on a daily basis at radix communications what's yeah. your role i mean i'm i'm co-owner of the company i'm creative director um mm-hmm. which means that the uh, all of the the writing output comes under me also our, our marketing and our, our sales um and um yeah so we have a uh, a team of uh, of B2B tech copywriters um under a, a head of copy who reports into into me so yeah spend yeah. the um spend the day trying to make things uh trying to make dull things interesting <laughs> really and complicated you- things simple uh, that sounds like b2b marketing to me
1: and i don't want to mean to, to be dismissive of any of our colleagues in b2b i'm the same i'm in b2b and my job is basically do the same thing so make thing make boring things sound interesting and make technical things sound simple yeah <laughs> Compl-
0: yeah i mean that's that's kind of the comedy way of saying it but I think, <laughs> I think i think i think the truth is what you're what you're always looking to do as a writer is to find the thing that is interesting yeah. about the subject for the audience yeah yeah so yeah. There's, there's always um, but, something interesting in there somewhere. yeah
1: absolutely but also um i think as b2b marketers um it, i think if you're in b2c you can get a general sense of what somebody might be interested in because you might be interested in it yourself because you're a b2c consumer but i think with b2b it's often fascinating to discover what people's passions are in b2b like Mm. somebody that's really into security for example and that's their passion and you've got to try and you know write with that passion or express that passion because they are you know and there's a lot of emotion around b2b buying that you you can tap into can't you
0: yeah absolutely because i think you know it's one of those things that when you actually meet the customer and it's always a thing that i you know i say to uh marketers in, in particular say to the, the writers that, that I work with. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can meet the customer and find out how they talk about things, yeah. you get so much more insight into how the the emotions are yeah. are at play. You know, just yeah. the other day I was I was doing um, an interview for a, a, a big cybersecurity company talking to one of their customers and you know I was talking to them about why they chose this solution and not a competitor yeah. and he just went yeah. i don't like the competitors <laughs> 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 and we and we think that it, yeah. you know we often think in, you know that in b2b you know yeah. it's more it's all about the rational um, and yeah. the bigger the the transaction the more rational it is but i, I think yeah, it's exactly. i think it's it, it it's back to I front agree. it's probably more emotional in the sales yeah. than than b2c yeah,
1: absolutely. And I completely agree with you. I think that often as marketers, we sit in our sort of ivory tower with our with our personas that we wrote ourselves in a, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a nice hotel room when we used to be able to get together or conference room when we used to be able to get together. And we forget about actually meeting the customer or even the salespeople and discover what these passions are, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the trick for me is um, case studies. When I get to yeah. write a case uh, study, it's such a yeah, gift yeah. because yeah, yeah. the way that we do things at Radix is that, you know, first I'll have a uh, a conversation with the salesperson to find the, the, yeah. the details so that yeah. then um, I'm not, buying, I'm not spending the time with the customer asking, what did you buy? And what did you have before? Yeah, but I can get into yeah. the, what does this mean for your business? Yeah, how yeah, do you yeah. feel about this? When the best question is, you know, what was the moment you knew something had yeah. to change? You know, and yep, I try yep. and get these human moments out of yep. it. And, and the more case studies I can write, the better writer I become because I, I yeah. because I get to see oh. how people feel and, and they feel so intensely i mean there are times and it sounds silly but there are times particularly in certain sectors particularly um public sector tech and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. where the customer has been in tears in the in the case study interview when you're you're asking them about the challenges that they face you know if there's someone that is um you know they're there's someone at their their head in kind of the housing sector or youth justice or something like that. And you're talking about tech for that sector. And you're you're talking about these lives that they they could change, but their budgets are being cut and all of these things that you can see written down on a persona sheet. And then you talk to the person about, oh, so you can tell that the work that you're doing is changing people's lives, but your budget is being cut and you're having to reduce the size of your team. How is that? And you hear their voice breaking as they're telling you, you know, um, it it really does put it in perspective. Um, We do, Mm. we do an, um, an interview as kind of a secret interview series on our, on our podcast am i allowed to mention that we have a yeah podcast? absolutely i'm always there, there are, are other I'm podcasts always mentioning,
1: i know i know you do I, I, I would i did mean to ask you about it as well i mean i'm oh. always mentioning other people's podcasts on it oh it's like sure. i it's like i don't want people to listen to this one it really is honestly <laughs> i'm always <laughs>
0: Well, we're we're only once a month, so we won't uh-huh. we won't steal all your all your weekly listeners, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but we do this uh, kind of semi regular feature called the Anonymous Five, where mm-hmm. we fo- look at the job titles on the personas, and then we go and find someone who does that job, and we get yes. them to ask answer five questions anonymously that they could yeah. never give us an honest answer to publicly. And we asked yeah. them rude stuff, you know, we asked like yeah, yeah. CFOs, you know, is it true that you're boring or something like, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or something, not that specifically, but there was yeah. one. And we spoke to a, um, a, a director, kind of like a shared services behind the scenes kind of director at an NHS sure. trust. And we have yeah. this regular question that we ask people in these personas that, that went, you know, what does a, what does a really bad day look like in your job? Yeah. And they were like, yeah. oh, well, I'll do an investigation and found out that a load of people died because of a decision I made. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, wow, oh like, what do you gosh. do with that? Like, that's, yeah. the, um, yeah. that's the reality and the weight yeah. of the emotion that these people deal with in their jobs. Yeah, yeah. And then we can come along you know, writing our copy about our tech and be all glib and kind of be, you know, yeah. of course, if this goes wrong, people could potentially die, you know, and yeah, yeah. and we'll say it like it's a thing that's really scary, but isn't a reality. You know, that yeah, it's not yeah. a thing that could really happen, right? We're just kind of using it to frighten them. Yeah. Whereas yeah. for the person doing the job, I mean, you know, if you're running a hospital, people die in hospitals. Yeah. And it's actually, it's not a, distant scary possibility it's a daily reality that they have to deal with and carry the weight of um and so when you find out how people really feel about their job totally Mm -hmm. changes the way that you write the content absolutely
1: absolutely i mean i've not had that experience (laughs) but one of the the things i do like of of what you've just said there and i think we're just going to do an interview about case studies at this point (laughs) fair enough i love a case study (laughs) is um is i al- i'm the same as you i always like to find a real person who's the persona like mm. because i think that's often the litmus test of a of of these personas that we create in these bloody conference rooms as as a bunch of marketers is who's the real person then I actually get to speak to them and find out about that but also i think when you do a case study it's easy it, you tr- some organizations try and drive that conversation to be almost like a product data sheet but said mm. in the words of the customer. Yeah, but you learn so much don't you about your place in their world right which is probably quite sometimes more minor than you think (laughs) and then and also how they feel how they talk about you in your category and 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 that and as a content marketer that's gold
0: yeah yeah absolutely although similarly it might sometimes make you think about what you talk about and the the yeah. kinds of content that, that you Absolutely. produce i mean the thing Absolutely. the thing that i that I always find you know after 15 years of doing these case study interviews is uh, yeah. you know i'll come in with a nice list of things prepared by the marketer you know does the yeah. does the superior <laughs> handling of this particular forklift <laughs> truck um you yeah. know that must make things really you know really easy for your users uh, how do the safety features, appeal? <laughs> you know, or whatever. I'm talking about forklift trucks. Forklift trucks were like the first thing I started writing case studies about. I mean, mostly we're writing about software now, but yeah, you always yeah. get the best stories about yeah. and, and, and And always it's the same. You'll go, why did you buy this thing? And they'll say, um, I like the salesperson. Um, yeah. It's a reliable <laughs> brand and the price was right. Like, yeah. that's it. And, and <laughs> the salesperson is... First and foremost, in that, like, like you know, I know, yeah. you know, I can, uh, I know, I can trust Karen, and she does me, she did me a good deal, <laughs> and it's a brand I can trust. Like brand building, totally does come into it, and then yeah. somewhere way down there, yeah, are the products benefit you know the the features and benefits all of those product sales points are you know way down that list obviously it's got to be in there because you've got to rationalize the purchase and the salesperson has to have something to talk about yeah um but it's completely back to front from where we Mm. think it is and then Mm. you go into that conversation you know kind of saying ah so how do you feel about the triple widget flangellator? And they'll go, <laughs> it's fine, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and they go, oh, get the stats, get the stats. They go, uh, and you know, and if they say something really nice, like, oh yeah, this is much faster. And how <laughs> much faster? And then you go, how much faster? And they go, I don't know, it's some... just faster. <laughs> we can get some more. And then you're trying to go, okay, well, do you need fewer people? How much more stuff do you get done at the end of yeah. the day? And you're trying to find yeah. any frame of reference yeah. <laughs> yeah. where they yeah. can give you a a quantifiable yeah. number because yeah. they're never measuring this stuff. <laughs> no, no, exactly.
1: And I mean, with um, I mean, there's a serious point to that with um organizations. They, um, I mean, I'm B two B software and and tech, and yeah. And nobody ever thinks when you implement the software is to take a snapshot of where the business is at that point. So that when you come back and do the case study in a year's time, you can go, oh, look, we can reference back to that because then you're relying on people's memories. And like you say, it was like, yeah, it was, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, and that whole thing, how much faster, how much more stuff do you get done? Well, we
0: didn't really measure it. So, Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's either that or that um, the... the st- the moment that you've done the installation okay it's there now do the case study have they had a chance to use it yet and see if it works (laughs) no (laughs) you know it's like well yeah yeah, we we implemented this last week what do you want me to tell you you know because because if you leave it too long people are worried that i don't know the relationship will go sour or that the you know the, the salesperson is really enthusiastic about the relationship and they want to capitalize on it at that time right so you know having had a year for them to use it would be luxury (laughs) yeah yeah. well
1: i but also i think a part of the case study which was often missed is that journey they went through Mm. to making the selection yeah and i think that's often forgotten about we try and rush to the oh the you know but if if you're reading if you're reading case studies a b2b buy i should imagine you want to know um some of the difficulties on the way you know and they're always mm. hard for a vendor to try and elicit out of a case study isn't it what was the what was your journey how did you get there and what were the problems along the way but nobody wants to put the problems in
0: a case study no and it, it's really interesting because the more honest you are about that stuff the more mm-hmm. people will believe the good things that that you yeah, say that's true Funny enough another yeah, yeah. Um, anonymous five answer that we had um just last month's um episode um was a uh, a fleet analyst at a maintenance mm-hmm. company and and they're implementing new telematics solution and they said the um this vendor didn't promise us that everything would be perfect you know that they wow. they told us the things they couldn't yeah, do yeah. so we believed the yeah. things that they they yeah. they could do the other thing yeah. that, the other thing that people do in a case study is that they um they don't, in my view, often, because they want to talk all about the solution and the amazing results, they don't necessarily yeah. talk about the before. And the most important yes. thing in the case, today, the, the most important thing is that your next customer can identify with your existing yeah. customer, you know, yeah. and um, and that's why the customer has to be the hero. The brand and the product yeah. can, you know, the brand and the product they can never be Luke Skywalker. You know, that you no. can't be blowing up that Death Star. <laughs> you know, it has but to be the, same the with, customer blowing up the Death Star. And you have to see well, that's before. the
1: same with all the content marketing, isn't it? Yeah, B two B content. Everybody forgets that the hero in content marketing is the customer,
0: not your product. Yeah, because who do you want the who do you want your prospect to identify with? Yeah. It's the customer and they want to yeah. see that person, that yeah. paint that picture initially of that person struggling yeah. with whatever they're struggling with in their work and yeah. to look at them and go, Oh, that's like me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that and that's the point that you that you hook them in, which is why case studies that you, where you can talk about people rather than mm. companies are so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I
1: mean, blimey, we've done 15 minutes on case studies and I haven't even got past your introduction yet. and really enjoying this, David. I'm definitely having you back. Oh, great. Well, oh, thank you. I am Definitely, definitely. There were a whole bunch of questions that we were chatting about before that I was going to ask you that aren't happening. Okay. So I'm going to have to rush to our last question. Crumbs. Okay. <laughs> which is um, we, we have a regular feature on the Rockstar CMO called Rockstar CMO Swimpool where mm. we throw all the bullshit, snake, column BS of the industry we love love.
0: what would you throw into our oh man there's this there's so much um and i think that um being a copywriter and representing Mm. for the b2b copywriters around the world i have to pick a word to throw in right um yeah yeah. and i think i'm going to throw in the word innovative (laughs) I love it. I think, you know, there was a thing when I started copywriting that, um every piece of B2B copywriting, the client insisted on having the word passionate mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And I went on a crusade against the word passionate <laughs> because passion <laughs> isn't something that you talk about. It's something that you show and everybody yeah. knows it. And everyone you know, goes, we are yeah. passionate about blah, blah. And it just yeah, became, yeah. And, it, and it became yeah. worth nothing. Um, or leading, leading. Oh, oh, there are so many. <laughs> we, we genuinely, we did a, um, uh, at Radix, we did fridge magnet poetry. You know those fridge magnet poetry <laughs> yeah, sets. Yeah, we we made, that, yeah. We made we made one of those uh, <laughs> with uh, bullshit B 2 B cliches. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. And we have a whole uh, on. I in way in the back in the depths of our uh, website, but we have a whole thing. We have a whole. We did a um, a periodic table. Of bullshit B2B cliches. Oh However, the one that at the moment that I want to throw in the swimming pool and put my head on it so that it drowns, <laughs> you know, put my foot <laughs> yeah. on its head, I mean, so that it drowns yeah. In, yeah. is the word innovative. Because it's- at the moment, anyone in B2B tech just wants to go, say that it's innovative yeah what's innovative about it doesn't matter say that it's innovative <laughs> like, it's it, 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 in and, it's in oh so good i, I feel <laughs> i feel cleansed and yeah oh, there, are, there, there are so many it was it was either that or on premise but uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh,
1: innovative <laughs> innovative oh i, I <laughs> well, we're definitely going to have you back, Thank but you. in the meantime, David, if people uh, want to spin the dial on the interwebs and find you, where will they find you?
0: Um, the the best place to kind of find the the blog and uh, sign up for yeah. email updates and things is uh, radix communicationscom dot mm-hmm. yeah. um, Or if they, the easiest thing is probably just to find us on on the Twitter, which is radixcom, which r a r a d i x c o m. Right, and is that you as well, David, or do you have your separate? Uh, oh, I, 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 I have, I have my separate one, but I, I, I am rarely on topic. So I'm, <laughs> I'm Maguire David on on Twitter, but but if you know, that's just if you want me, um, you know, it's rant- the Maguire David, I follow. <laughs> yeah, if you if you want me ranting about you know <laughs> politics and cinema and yeah. um uh, shouting at the government or uh, being yeah. de- being depressed about tottenham's latest defeat then yeah, you know yeah. that's where <laughs> that's where you, yeah. you can find all of those hot takes I, but for the, the b2b it... copywriting stuff it's radixcom
1: all right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll include all those links in the show notes. And as a Chelsea fan, I seek solace in your Tottenham misery. So.
0: <laughs> well, I'm pleased that, that this season we're able to help you out in that way.
1: <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure, David. And My I course. promise you, we'll have you back in a couple of weeks. And, uh, Thank and you. we'll actually ask you some of these questions. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I you. look forward to <laughs> you. that. You. Bye, 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 bye. thank you david (laughs) chuck the script away a little bit there but as a marketer i am passionate about case studies and it seems i found a friend there i will of course include links to david his firm and his podcast in the show notes right it's that time of the week again as we get transported away from my home office with a cocktail and join my friend and content marketing guru robert rose in the rockstar cmo virtual bar
3: Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello. How are you, my friend? I'm very uh, well. Good. Uh, yes, here we are in the bar, and it's, you know, it's... it's uh, I don't know if it's that way in the UK right now, but but it's, it's springtime here. It is absolutely mm-hmm. spectacular, mm-hmm. Um, weather we're having here. Um, I suppose I shouldn't be terribly surprised in that it is Southern California, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, but we're just having a wonderful, wonderful time here, mm-hmm. and although, I, you know, I will just tell you, I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but but the the you know the time just seems to be flying right now, yeah. Um, yeah. And so what we're drinking is a wonderful spring like um, that I've discovered, um, which is a very simple, very simple drink, um, but just really tasty. Um, which is, it's going to sound a little odd, the ingredients together, but it is a tequila drink. So your favorite Mm -hmm. light reposado or even a Blanco uh, Mm -hmm. tequila. So very light, um, tequila. And what you do is we're going to take a glass, your regular rocks glass, Mm -hmm. and you're going to rub the inside with a strawberry. Mm -hmm. Um, You can, I mean, if you really love strawberry, you can cut up a little piece of it and stick it in there too. But, but Mm -hmm. just take you know a strawberry, cut it in half, and then just rub the interior of the glass with it, Um, and and then put in your tequila, uh, which would be a you know again a light reposado or or -hmm. even a blanco, and then just a pinch of salt in there as well, and then of course either one big rock or some rocks if you if you like, and uh, you know. you know I'm calling it the what a weekend because it feels like a very weekendy drink Um, but it's just a lovely little refreshing you know and not you know this is a good one to have in moderation right just a little bit it's really great
1: well it 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 sounds like it's neat tequila that's been introduced to a strawberry
3: Yes. And the salt is, is interesting. Is, 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 it adds a little bit of things to it. don't Don't tell me how to run my life, Ian. <laughs> I, you know, uh, the most important part, yes, is the tequila. But that, yes, that, that is a side note in an otherwise artistic creation.
1: One of these drinks is going to be pour some tequila in a glass. And then and drink it,
3: yeah.
1: yeah. And show it to a strawberry and think of a strawberry. That <laughs> is right. That sounds delicious. Anyway, I'm, I should you're absolutely right. I should not make judgments of you on your life choices. <laughs> um, I, I should make my own choices here. So um, I'm going to, i again, this week I'm reaching for the Sipsmiths uh, or Sipsmith gin uh, for um, anybody who's listening. Um, I drink for the pleasure of it, not for sponsorship. So, but uh, if anybody wants to, that's fine. Fine. um I'm going to pour some of that into my glass I'm see. Oh, dear. bunking
3: them glass together oh did you put ice in yours yes I I ended up in this one putting a one big rock in it you know, so a, yeah. a, a very one large ice cube in it. But yeah, um, so just to second, cool things off But, but uh, yeah, you can either go neat or you can go rocks it's, it's really up to you
1: Second week in a row when I've put the icings after the liquor Which is terrible <laughs> But anyway, um, and then I'm going to introduce it to my own little strawberry Which is some tonic Ah, excellent A <laughs> uh, bit more of a formal introduction They're spending some time together You know, there's not just a You know, there's a bit more tonic in there than there was your strawberry um, Let me give this a taste Oh, that's delicious i love that i'm not quite getting the strawberry but uh, it is delicious
3: very delicious <laughs> that, may, that may or may not be in your cards my friend given the ingredients you have <laughs> and what are we calling this i've been calling it a what a week you know what a weekend what a, um just nice. to, you know just sort of you know it's a great start to a lovely weekend mm-hmm. especially if you can get out in some nice weather and where are we drinking these? Well, I think, you know, I'm going to just pick my own backyard here because, mm. quite frankly, um, it's where uh, I am. Um, and and <laughs> it, it is just, you know, it is 71 degrees here today, Fahrenheit, uh-huh. of course. Um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful day. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the kind of weather that you want to be out in. And so, yeah, it's a celebration uh, of spring, if you will. Maybe a bit to. early, but here we are.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that. We have a, obviously, because we're in the UK, we have, it's been a grey day, and it's been neither particularly warm nor particularly cold, yeah. <laughs> and it hasn't been raining, but it's not sunny either, so it's one of those miserly days, and so your idea of staying in your backyard, garden, that backyard, with that weather, sounds perfect, and... And what would we be discussing in your backyard this week?
3: Well, you know, the, well, something else. It's it's something we've in 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 some ways talked about before mm-hmm. on the show. But um, it, it, there's something that's interesting that I'm learning. As you know, one of the things that we've been doing over the course of the first three months of the year is working with a lot of clients on governance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that content flows uh, and is produced, primarily. Um, mm-hmm. So when you think about content workflow or content governance, the first thing you usually think of is great. What's that? You know, we, the immediate image that comes into mind is sort of a content factory with mm-hmm. an assembly line of a you know of production, right? Yeah. And you know, it's it's interesting because one of the things that we often think about there is. You know, and we've again we've talked about this on the the show before, but it's this conflation of the idea of creation of content with ideation of content. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is the first thing that we think of when we are you know when as marketers primarily and business communicators primarily, and we're taught to do this. By the way, we're taught from university onward to do this. Is is mm-hmm. that when we think I need. Website. I need an email. Mm-hmm. I need an ad. I need a white paper. I need you know. When we say I need or I want, yeah. what immediately follows is a format, yeah. And so instead of I need an idea, right? Yeah. And then when when we when we say I need a format, I need a white paper. I need an email. I need an ad. But then we go great. What's a great idea to fill that format? With? Yes. What ends up happening there, especially when we start getting to governance and a workflow within any larger organization. In other words, anything that's larger than just us, mm-hmm. um, you know, where there's teams involved and there's different departments and ultimately it's going to be a piece of content that may live in multiple divisions in multiple channels in multiple languages. We tend to, again, put idea second and format first. What ends up happening there is one of two things which is we end up in, you know, a, 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 let's call it an editorial board or a, or a team meeting or whatever. And we say, okay, we're going to need all of these, uh, you know, different formats. Thus, now let's argue about what should go into those formats. And and, we, and it slows down the process immensely, right? Because we, you know, we, we don't agree, right? That ends up in sort of muddled uh, things, right? In other words... The translation doesn't work very well because it's all localized and different, you know, it's different story, different idea for that market versus this market. Or, quite frankly, it's different in YouTube versus a white paper versus an ad. You know, it, the words mm-hmm. don't match. The story doesn't match because we, we can't agree right all, you know, on all those different ideas for formats. Yeah. Or what happens is, is that it ends up in this huge bottleneck because the general idea is decided upon for every format. But once it gets to the designers, the producers, the people who actually have to shoot the video, write the content, design the interface, whatever it is, they're like, all right, well, I can make it up, but I I guess I'm going to go my way, right? I'm going to go this way with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, the metaphor that I often use, it's like, you know, we get a team of people ready to shoot a feature film, and all we have to go on is the abstract that the author of the novel used to write the novel. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, of course the movie's gonna end up awful because of that, because we yeah. don't have a script or a, a consistent idea or story to, to, to go from. Yeah. So the key is separating out those concepts, hmm. separating out the concept of ideation and creation, right? So yeah. separating out the idea of Let's come up with an architecture for our story. The idea. Yeah. Let's just tell the full story. Full stop. <clears throat> before we decide on what, um, you know, what container it's going to be in. Yeah. You know, because I've just watched great big ideas get trapped in a singular. You know, I was reading this blog post the other day, which was an incredible idea. I mean, you could have built an entire publishing empire around this idea, but yeah. it got trapped in the. Context of a blog post, I'm sure because that was simply the first way somebody thought about that they needed to fill something with content. Yeah. And yeah. that, that, you know, um, it, it, uh, I, I always love bringing up the, the uh, Jean-Luc Godard, the, the French filmmaker, Yeah. who said, uh, wonderful quote, he said, there's no point in having sharp images with fuzzy ideas. Yeah. And so, that's that. the, that's really the the idea that
1: yeah. I'm thinking about. But also. isn't, it, the, the, I mean, at least in my experience, isn't this the content marketer's almost dilemma? Isn't it? Is how do I lift people and marketers to stop thinking about um, fulfilling the thing and actually thinking about telling a story, and that the thing is a vehicle for that? Isn't I mean, isn't that the very crux of the difference between well-defined content marketing and creating a YouTube video?
3: It's a, what, what I find is, is that it's a fallacy of perception of speed. Hmm. And what I mean by that is, is that, and we'll just put it on the business, right? We'll just personify yeah. the business for a second because yeah. it could be a marketer. It could be a content practitioner. It could be a CEO. It could be, it could be anybody, but the business yeah. personified tends to think the faster that I get to what the asset's going to be, the mm-hmm. faster we can get there. Yeah. And so, in other words, by saying something like, I, I know for my strategy, I need an ad, you know, I yeah. know for my strategy, I want a white paper. I yeah. know for my strategy, I want fill in the blank, a video. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we say, great, there's my business strategy. There's what I need to fulfill upon my business strategy. What's the story I'm going to tell? What's the content I'm going to create? Eh, yeah. We'll figure that out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, let the practitioners fill that out, right? Let the designer yeah. figure that out. Let the filmmaker fi- find that out. Let the author figure that out.
0: Yeah. And then
3: when we see the creative expression of that being inconsistent across channels, we go, yeah. well, why was it inconsistent? Well, because you reversed the process. Yeah. You know, you didn't figure out what the right story was to fulfill your strategy. Yeah. Thus, when you started to take it to the expression of that idea, Of course it was going to be inconsistent. It was always going to be inconsistent. And so it's just, it's literally, you know, one of the things that I often tell clients when we start putting together a true content strategy or a content marketing strategy and, and, and we start outlining what the governance process should look like, one of the things that we tell them and we warn them is we say, spoiler alert, the pushback on this is that it's going to feel slower. Mm. It's going to, when you start going, Mm. wait a minute, let's take a minute and figure Mm. out what these stories are going to be and Mm. architect them and to spend the time to outline them and put them all together, that's going to feel slower. And everybody's going to push back on that because they're going to go, when do I get my white paper? When do I get my video? When do I get my thing? And, and we say, but here's the thing. What it does is that it exponentially speeds up the, the end process. Yeah. the the you know the writing the creation the production the reuse the repackaging the reskinning yeah. of your story into multiple formats cuz it's all rooted in one yeah. thoroughly thought through idea yeah and that that just reversing that process is is a really difficult thing because there is a perception of a loss of agility, a perception of a loss. You know, it feels mm-hmm. like you're making the creative process bureaucratic when you're actually not. You're actually just saying, let's think it through before we yeah. actually go execute it. And I think we touched on this before because this is the difference between creating
1: artisan. Well, there's a few analogies I think I can pluck from our many conversations, but this is the difference between making artisan content in a craft shop, bespoke to that particular blog post or white paper, and actually creating a content factory, isn't it? Because if you're if you're going to create a factory, you need to give you need to have the the product designed properly in the first place so that everything fits together you need to give that some thought whereas if you're going to sort of build something artisanally in a craft shop you're sort of like oh let's see if this fits together that fits together and then the but you cannot reproduce that process so easily
3: yeah yeah you know what it, it is it's the you you've heard the the great story of the the the, the three stone cutters
1: Yes, yes, and that's definitely on your blog. I know that's there somewhere.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's 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 it to me. For those in the audience who might not be familiar with it, it's the a very wonderful little tale of somebody walks along and sees three stone cutters um, cutting big rocks, and he asks the first stone cutter what the, what he's doing. He says, oh, "I'm cutting rocks." And he asks the second stone cutter what's going on, and he says, "Oh, I'm cutting rocks to build a wall." And he asks the third stonecutter, and the stonecutter smiles and says, I'm building a cathedral. And it's that third stonecutter that you want, right? It's the one who has thought it through and why they're doing what they're doing in a way that they understand the context of what it is they're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and then uh, if you do if you I mean, <clears throat> we'll do we'll do things like um, you know, campaign planning and persona planning and journey mapping planning. There's an awful lot of planning that goes on in marketing but not a lot of story planning.
3: Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Which makes people much more interested in, you know, so the, you know, the, 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 the the flip side of the coin, the challenge here of doing something like this is that when you have relegated uh, properly, I would argue the production process of content to um, a, you know, let's call it a script or let's call it a, you know, a format or let's call it a premise or a story or, you know, whatever it is so that we know what we're building, we know what we're producing. The con to it is is that in many cases that can be taking, you know, what you're doing is you're taking away some creative license from the the artisan who's actually creating the thing. In, In other words, what has happened in business is that we have taken our you know taken our storytelling or our creativity and handed it to the production artist now the key is is that the production artist in many cases the creative person who's actually going to producing should have been part of the conversation all along right you know should have been part of the conversation in the early days when we want to create you know it's why we always recommend your designers your writers your Videographers, you're, You know, when you're figuring out the story, have them in that meeting. They should be yeah. in the meeting understanding what's the story is going to get told because they'll have yeah. valuable input. But if you rely on them for the story, in other words, if you go to your videographer and you say, hey, I need a video that differentiates our brand. And I needed to talk to the fact that we're a thought leader in the space of, you know, medical equipment and then go go for it. Write a script. Well then what you're doing is you're 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 actually unfairly putting too much of a burden on that filmmaker, right? What you want is that filmmaker wants ultimately a script that they can deliver against, that they can deliver creative and artisan types of approaches to a script and that script writing process that that storytelling should happen way prior to them picking up a camera. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I I've, I've seen the um in, in that situation where you're describing that you know the campaign gets designed and the content comes last is i've, I've seen a situation where the vi- where when the video script is being developed obviously in in isolation of everything else a really good idea came out and then that changed Everything else and then it was very hard to change everything else It would been much easier to have had that idea at the beginning and then for everything else to have spawned off of it
3: Well, so it's I, so true. It's so yeah. true because in yeah. some cases you're absolutely right you get lucky Yeah, and you get someone who has created something amazing. Yeah, you know, but I mean we're so used to doing it, right? I mean we you yeah. know we I mean it because what we've done is we've reduced content creation to you know what is typically yeah. called the creative brief Right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So we deliver a creative brief in yeah. order to to create a an entire campaigns worth of content or an entire story that's going to mm-hmm. be told. And yeah, sometimes you get really lucky. You 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 have a truly creative, wonderful, visionary person yeah. who can create this amazing thing. But then all the other things have mm-hmm. to either be retrofitted to fit it or Quite frankly, never get the benefit of drafting off of that amazing idea because I just weren't thinking it—you know—how to do it in the first place.
1: Yeah, no, it's a lovely thought, and and as usual, you uh are. changing the way that we do content marketing and i know and uh, and i know where you write about that I particularly know where people can find the uh, stonecutter story which i'll share in the show notes and that would be where robert
3: that would be <laughs> on my little cathedral on the internet which is uh, contentadvisory.net and when people spin the dial on the interweb where would they find you well, they'll find me all over social. Um, yeah. You know, except they won't find me much on Clubhouse these days. I'll tell you. That <laughs> you gave it a go. I you am, gave you it know, a go. I don't know. I'm just a little cynical about the whole <laughs>
1: even, thing. Um, even I can't find you on Clubhouse because the one time that I thought I'll I want to listen into this, but you've got to be there live, and I had a meeting and I couldn't attend. It was really disappointing. So I
3: have, I have dipped my toe in occasionally yes. and found the water wanting. So. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know, so of course, Twitter, LinkedIn, I'm, yes. I'm all over it. So all right. find me, I would love to connect.
1: And with even easier for me. Will I see you in the bar next week? Of course. You will. Yes, thank, you. thank you very much. Thank you, Robert. So think about your story before you decide the channel you want to tell it on. Wise words. And of course you'll find all the links we mention in the show notes. So that's a wrap on episode 53 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Jeff, David and Robert. Please check out their links in the show notes. Click them, follow them, take a look at their work and share it. I really appreciate their time. You can find the show notes on your favourite podcasting platform or our brand new website for this podcast, rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So, does the world need another epic marketing podcast? Please let me know. Leave a review, subscribe, share, get in touch. You can find us at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff and I will pick a new topic and decide if it's a one-hit wonder or wonderwall. I'm chatting to Ed Brilt, CMO of Aprimo, and Robert Rhodes will be back in our virtual Rockstar CMO bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO
0: FM.